like to say Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers that are here with us today. And I know we have, uh, usually on Mother's Day and Father's Day, you usually see different members from different congregations, some visiting here and some of ours visiting other places as they're visiting with their fathers and their mothers. And so we just want to say Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. And uh, we're so blessed here at Lincoln Park to have many godly mothers and uh, women who take their role in the home seriously and take their role uh, as mothers, as godly mothers seriously, to, to help train up their children in the Lord and to set the ultimate example, right? None of us are perfect, but we strive to, to train up our children in the Lord. And this, this morning's lesson is going to be a little bit different in the sense that uh, I wanted to focus on a different aspect this morning. We're going to focus more on the children this morning than we're going to focus on the mothers but you'll see how we tie this in with the, the, the theme of godly mothers. Today, as we consider one area of advice that many of our godly mothers give, we're going to see the importance of instructing our children in living honorable lives, in living morally upright lives, principled lives. And you think about living principled lives, you think about living a morally upright life. Do you think that's something that's needed in society right now? Have you guys been out to the malls lately? You guys go out to maybe a movie theater, you go out to maybe some entertainment complexes, whatever the case may be, you go to maybe a local concert. Have you guys seen what's going on with the youth in our country? Have you seen what's going on with their attitude, the mindset, the disrespect that they, they, shall not, they show not just to their own uh, uh, parents in their lives, but the disrespect for just society and authority, teachers? Uh, you know, it, it just, the list goes on and on. And so I wanted to kind of, to kind of set the stage this morning to really, to kind of hone in on one aspect of advice that I know that many godly mothers give. And so that advice that's given to children by godly mothers is what's going to guide them through their very lives, is it not? Because what was it that hopefully guided them to where they're at today? Hopefully it was the word of God. Hopefully it was a godly mother in their lives that was teaching them from God's word, that was uh, giving them the, the, the principles, teaching them the principles to, that God expects us to live by. And it will teach them, it will encourage them, and it will encourage our kids to live lives of wisdom as instructed by a mother's counsel. Because a godly mother's counsel is so very important. And you're going to hear me keep saying the word godly mother, because not all mothers, not all fathers are godly, amen? And there's some of us that didn't have a godly mother, and there's some of us that haven't had a godly father. We, we may, some of us have grew up and maybe didn't have that influence in our lives, but maybe, just maybe, there was somebody else that mentored you. Maybe there was somebody else that influenced you. And maybe there's somebody that you think of as a mother, you know what I mean, that helped to instill some of God's righteous moral standards in your life. And so we praise them for that. We praise them for that ability. Because aren't the older men supposed to raise up the younger men? Aren't the older women supposed to raise up the, the, the young ladies, right? To help guide them and teach them? It doesn't mean be only the ones that are connected to you through blood. We know that we are all God's family. And we must all do our parts. And so this wise counsel comes from mothers knowing who they are in Christ. The wise counsel of a godly father comes from knowing who they are in Christ. And the first passage of scripture that we're going to look at here today is Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. And the years draw near when you say, I have no delight in them. 
Brethren, it is wise to learn and to remember God's ways in our childhood, is it not? Isn't it so much easier to, uh, to, to really guide somebody in, in their youth, in their childhood, than it is to bring somebody to Christ as an adult? It's not impossible to bring adults to Christ, but it's much easier to really make those transformations if you start from the womb, if you start from, you know, right early, in your early years, learning God's righteous standard, learning his principles for our lives. Now, it doesn't always mean that it's always going to take, but we know that it makes the, it makes the process so much easier. It is wise to learn and remember God's ways in our childhood. And that will help us to, to hopefully lessen the effect that we're going to see from pain and sorrow in our very lives. Because there's so many individuals, brethren, I'm here to tell you, that, uh, that are, the, the troubles that they have in their lives is because they're not living according to God's principles. Because they're living, to, uh, because of, uh, they're living for worldly ways, fleshly desires, and not necessarily what God is calling them to do. And so we know that the wise counsel that mothers often give, godly mothers give, that, that they teach their children uh, from God's word, it's going to set the tone for the rest of their lives. There are many things that we need to know and there are many things that we learn from our mothers along the way, whether it's theology, whether it's religion or something else. But there are many, many things that we learn from godly mothers. And at the top of that list should always be who? At the top of that list of the things that the mothers teach their children should always be God. Amen? I mean, think about it. The, the most, the, the, all of life's standards that, that we have, all of God's moral standards, they must take priority, priority over life's activities. They must take priority over the pursuits of life. And so as we teach our children how to grow up in the Lord, as we teach them what God expects of them, that their life activities and their pursuits should be guided by God's moral standard, by God's righteous hand. And so today's lesson is geared towards our kids, it's geared towards our teens, to reinforce what their godly mothers are hopefully already teaching them. And the one aspect that we're going to focus on today is living a principled life. And principled simply means that you do what is right for the mere fact that it's right. And so that's what it means to live a principled life. That's what it means to live an upright life. It means not being influenced to do the wrong thing based upon emotions. How many people do you know that, that really make so many decisions of, that are emotional decisions? Well, I'm here to let our kids and our teens know today that it's important to learn how to make non-emotional decisions. Brethren, I'm here to tell you that many of your troubles and your sorrows will come from the emotional decisions that you will make. So in, in school, whether it's in elementary school or middle school or whether it's in college or as a young adult, we need to think about consequences to the choices that we make. We need to think about those consequences uh, before we make an emotional decision because it's those emotional decisions that oftentimes get us in trouble. When sometimes we spew venom before we really stop and we take a deep breath and we think about it. And yes, sure, these are lessons that we learn as we grow and mature, but this is something that we should be instilling in our children from an early age. And there's a reason for this. Because we instill the idea of living a principled, godly, moral, morally upright life into our children so they can know how to deal with the problems of life as they grow and as they go through each stage of life. In the, Bible, the, in the Bible, the scriptures give us a, a little bit of information. It gives us a little bit of insight into this. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, it says, The heart is more deceitful than all else. 
Well, the Bible tells us that the heart and the emotions are not trustworthy because the emotions stem from the heart. The emotions stem from the seat of the mind. In Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 26, it says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. You think about that simple verse, that he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Trusting in your own heart is a fool because oftentimes our hearts are, are in, in, in the life experiences that we deal with are from a worldly standpoint, and many of them, the, the conclusions that we draw are based on worldly things and not, based, not necessarily based on godly things. And so we are to reflect and walk wisely as God would call us to walk. Because if we allow the word of God to guide us, how should I deal with this particular situation? How should I deal with this bully? How should I deal with uh, the, the drugs and the alcohol? And how should I deal with uh, the, the lying and the cheating and the stealing that's all around us that you see in society? How do I talk to my children about the, the politics and all the, uh, the slandering and all the different things that are going on? And so we need to use God's moral standards to help our children to grow and mature in Christ and it'll help lessen the pain and suffering that they're going to deal with later on in life. And so, brethren, we look at the word of God. We learn from God's word that from the heart, meaning the mind, stems the emotions that we deal with. And those emotions affect all aspects of our lives. Amen? And so, instead of being led by emotions that are ever-changing, allow the word of God to guide you in all aspects of life. Too many in society utter this model. If it feels good... Must be right. If it feels good, go ahead and drink, do drugs, fornicate, lie, cheat, steal. Hey, as long as I'm not getting caught, it must be okay. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that our emotions must be controlled or they will control our lives. Our emotions must be controlled or they will control our lives. That's why, living, that's why learning how to live principled and morally upright lives is crucial for our children. It's a crucial uh, lesson to learn early on in our lives, and we should be talking to our children each and every day about the various uh, aspects of life where, where living a morally upright life is possible, how to deal with all the various situations they're going to deal with in elementary school, in middle school, in high school, and in college, and into adulthood. We need to constantly be uh, reminding them and encouraging them to remember all that they've learned in the Lord. Remember what they learned in Sunday school classes. Remember what they learned in the sermons. Remember what they learned, hopefully, from their godly mothers and their godly fathers who are guiding them in the fruit of the Spirit called self-control. Brothers and sisters, if it feels good, then do it. It's something that comes from the world. It's something that deals with the fleshly desires. And we know that God calls us not to live as a fleshly man, but as a spiritual man. And that's why learning the idea of living a principled and morally upright life is crucial to the developments of our children. So to help them to stem the problems of life. We think about this next passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24 through 26. And we learn in Hebrews chapter 11 that Moses was a principled individual. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to endure ill treatments with the people of God than, in, than in to, to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ, Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Friends and family, as we're here today, being principled also means not being influenced to do the wrong thing by our friends. 
We all want friends. We all need friends. You need to have friends in your life, people that you can trust, people that you can lean on. But we need to make sure that our, our friends never, or that we are never sacrificing our morality. We're never sacrificing our principles for the sake of friends. We need to make sure that we're willing to stand on the teachings of God, the, the moral principles of God, no matter the situation. And we should never sacrifice our principles, our character, in order to attain friends. I'm here to tell you, brethren, that it is important that we influence our friends with good and not allow them to influence us with worldliness and evil. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, the Bible tells us through the Apostle Paul, Do not be deceived. Simple, uh, sinful company will corrupt your good morals. If given enough time, if given enough opportunity, sinfulness will corrupt your good morals. It's kind of like you know, the person who uh, likes to live a clean and tidy life, and, uh, and then they start to have children, and then there's a little bit of a mess around the house, but you're cleaning up the house, and you're constantly cleaning up the house, but you get tired of cleaning up the house, and then it's like, well, a little bit of mess isn't that bad. And then eventually that mess kind of extends over into the dining room, and then from the dining room to the basement, and from the basement to the bedroom, and next thing you know, the house is in disarray. But, you know, years have gone by, and I just don't really even see the mess anymore. You see, brethren, that is oftentimes what will happen if we allow uh, friends in our lives that to influence us in negative ways. Where things that we once used to say, that is wrong, and I'm going to stand on it, that's wrong. But because I want to keep a friendship, I start to overlook certain things, I overlook certain sins, and eventually you no longer see what they do as sinful. You say, but he's a good guy. And then you start to then, well, maybe stand up for the individual. Because you just want to have them in your life. You see, brethren, do not be deceived. Evil, sinful company will corrupt your good morals if given enough time. Being principled also means not being influenced to do the wrong things just because of one's surroundings. Just because of one's environment. Friends and family, we know that there are all kinds of trouble in this world. Amen? We know that there is trouble in this world and that each of us will experience our fair share of suffering, will experience our fair share of difficulties, will experience our fair share of, of just pain and sorrow as we go throughout life. It is often tempting during the problems of life, during these storms of life, to sometimes to kind of set aside our beliefs because we're just so filled with stress, we're filled with sorrow, we're, we're filled with all the pain that is going on in our lives. But ask yourself, has ever losing your faith for a time, or has ever given into the temptation ever really solved the problem? Ask yourself that question. Has losing your faith for a time, giving into temptation, ever fixed any problem? And the answer is no, of course not. We need to be determined, we need to have conviction, and we need to have patience in order to see us through the problems of life. Remember what James tells us in James chapter 5 and verse 10 and 11. As an example of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. It says, we count those, uh, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing with Job, that the Lord is full of compassion. He's full of mercy. The next thing, brethren, I want us to look at, besides the idea that as godly mothers that we're training up our children to live morally upright lives, to live principled lives, I want us to take the time to talk to our kids and teens 
uh, about really listening to our mothers, really listening to our parents, for she knows what you were, she knows where you've been. It is thrilling to be young. Is it not thrilling to be young? You guys remember when you were young and you had all that energy and you wanted to conquer the world, right? You had all these dreams and your mother knows that you have all these dreams. She knows you want to experience all that life has to offer. She knows you want to see all that life has to offer. But your mother also was your age one time and she knows what you're thinking. She's had many of those thoughts. And there is not a desire that you probably have at your age that she probably didn't have at her age. She's been there. She's had those thoughts. And she's experienced a lot of life that you haven't yet lived. And so there are good reasons why your mother is going to tell you no. There's good reasons why your mothers and your fathers are going to limit your activities. And so in Colossians chapter 3, for our, for our kids and teens, I want us to remind us that the children are to obey your parents in all things. For this is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. <coughs> Believe it or not, your mother, she knows the consequences of poor choices. Believe it or not, your fathers, they know the consequences of poor choices. You know why? Because they've been there. And they've made some of the mistakes that maybe you're tempted to make. They've made some of the choices that you're considering making. And they realize the consequences of those choices. Trust me when I tell you that it is very important to consider the consequence of your choices. It doesn't matter if you're in elementary school, middle school, college, or a young adult. There are consequences to the actions, consequences to the choices that we make. And we must consider these things. But God gives us mothers. Do you know why God gives us mothers? So she could tell us what will happen as the result of your choice. Because unfortunately, many of us have made the wrong choice at one time or another. And so it's called wisdom. And so through life and through living our lives, we can share with you the wisdom of what's going to happen if you make this choice. If you decide to go down this path, your mother and father, they've made poor choices from time to time because just about everybody does. I love how Matt, he stood up here at the table and he says, I don't know if you guys know this about, about me or not, but I'm a sinner. Well, as a preacher, I stand before you this morning and I tell you, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I am not perfect. I make my fair share of mistakes. And I try to live a godly life, but guess what? Sometimes I mess it up. And sometimes it gets a little ugly. But you know what? I grow from it because I learn from it. And I turn back to God. I, I, I look back to God's Word. I look back to His teaching that helps to, me to live a principled, godly, morally upright life. And then I share those uh, experiences with my children. I can't tell you, it was actually a funny conversation. So Noah, you know, I haven't got to talk to him much in the last month or two, but he was telling me, he goes, Dad, he goes, me and Sophie we were laying in bed one night and we were talking about just the world. We're talking about what we're seeing in the schools, talking about what's going on in the news, and we're seeing what, you know, what's going on with you know, people of his generation. And he, goes, and he goes, man, when we have kids, he goes, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to allow this. And, he, and then he goes, I was laying there and he said, oh my God, he sounded like Dad. <laughs> And I, and I was just like, wow, the light went off, right, for a second, right? All the lessons, all the teachings, all the, the instruction that Christy and myself tried to give them, right? We're not perfect godly parents, I can guarantee you that. And yet, I don't always do the right thing, I can guarantee you that. But I can tell you that we try to guide them to the best of our ability, we try to teach them, we try to uh, give them the right information to give them the best start at life. And to hopefully keep them from making some of the mistakes that we've already made. 
And so that's what wisdom is. I think of Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1 through 4. And it tells us, brethren, that... that he, listen to what uh, King David is saying to his son Solomon. He says, My son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commandments in your hearts, for they will prolong your life for many years. Think about those two verses. My son, do not forget my teachings. Keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years. They will bring you peace. They will bring you prosperity. Do you know why David utters these words? Because David, he made a mess of some things sometimes, did he not? And I love that about the scriptures. We know that David, in the end, was a faithful man, a man after God's own heart, but we know he messed it up. He, he kind of stubbed his, his stub, stubbed his toe in sin sometimes, right? And so... He was giving then, he was allowing to share the wisdom with his son in order to help prolong his days, prolong the years of his life, so that way he can live in peace and prosperity, so he doesn't make the same mistakes that David made. And then it goes on to say in verse 3 and 4, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God, but you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of man. Brethren, never forget that your mother has wisdom that comes from experience and it comes from observation. So for our kids and teens, as you grow older and as you mature, as you mature, you will learn how other people think. You'll start to learn how other people are going to react. But for now, trust in the wisdom of your godly mothers. Trust, trust in the wisdom that they're trying to share with you to help keep you from making the same mistakes that maybe they've already made. And brethren, it's not just your mothers, it's your grandmothers. For they've lived, well, much longer than your parents. 20, 30 years in many cases. And they have even wisdom that maybe your mothers haven't actually attained yet. And they'll share that wisdom with you if you're only willing to learn. If you're only willing to listen. And the last thing I want to speak on before I shut this down is the simple fact of we need to make sure that we treasure the moments that we have with godly mothers. You guys have heard that I keep saying the word godly mothers, godly fathers, because we know that not all of our mothers, not all of our fathers have been godly, and we grew up in some different circumstances. Many of us didn't grow up in the church, and we grew up in worldly homes. And so I want us to just really think back on uh, the, the godly mothers that we have in our lives because you can't go backwards in time, right? And there are points in time when you're going to pass over a, a certain threshold that can't be uncrossed. You think about your first job, you think about getting married, you think about having children. Brethren, I'm here to ask you and to tell you, to instruct you to not waste the years that you have together. Our kids and our teens, if you're listening here this morning, don't waste the time that you have with your parents, with your grandparents. Enjoy it and, make every, uh, and take advantage of every opportunity to live life to its fullest. Don't allow petty grudges, don't allow family disputes to cause you to lose the precious gift of time. You have friends in your life right now that seem like good friends, and you know what's going to happen? Eventually they're going to move away. You have brothers and sisters that live with you in the home, and eventually they're going to go on to lead their own lives, and they're eventually going to leave the home. And maybe they're going to live in different areas, and maybe you're not going to have... That, 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 that closeness that you may have had once with them at, at, at one point in time. And so you're going to, you'll, you'll never quite be able to recapture the experiences of your youth. James chapter 4 and verse 14 tells us, 
yet you do not know. Oh, is it going? Jim, can you hit that next slide for me? For some reason, it's not going. James chapter 4 and verse 14 says, You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So you see what, the, uh, what James, the brother of Jesus, had to say. And so kids and teens, don't wish your life away. I think about back when I was in high school. Me and my friends, we'd always say, I wish we could do this. I wish we could do that. And my grandmother, who I lived with for 18 years, would say, sweetie, don't wish your life away. And now that I'm older, I say to myself, man, this first quarter went by fast. Man, this year's going by fast. Where did the time go? Because as you, as you grow older and you have more responsibilities in life and you're raising families and you're working and you're worshiping and you're uh, living out your faith and you're doing all these things, the days seem to get shorter and shorter and shorter. So don't waste the, the gift of time. Be willing to treasure the moments that you have in the here and now. Treasure the moments that you have been given. Treasure every moment that you have been given. For Philippians, I know Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 1, it tells us, I have learned to be content, the Apostle Paul says. I have learned to be happy, whatever circumstances I find myself. Make the most of your opportunities. Make the most of your opportunities when they present themselves while remaining morally upright and not giving in to the temptations of the flesh, not giving in to the sinfulness of friends that may surround you, that even though that you consider them close. And perhaps, most importantly, are the opportunities that we have to do right. Jim, if you could hit that next slide. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. That slide is going to tell us, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those of the household of faith. Friends and family, as before we close this lesson down, we think about what the Apostle Paul had to say to the people of Galatia. Let us do good to all people, especially to those to the household of faith. I can promise you here this morning, you will never regret doing what is right and doing what is good for another human being. As I close this down, learn and remember what it means to live principled and morally upright lives. Listen to the wisdom of your godly mothers and grandmothers. Treasure the time that you have together. For if you kids and if you teens learn, and if you really listen, and if you treasure the time that you have with godly mothers, you will be blessed indeed. Brethren, if you're hearing this message today, it's a different message. It's not the gospel that we usually try to preach. But I wanted to try to look at Mother's Day from a different angle. And instead of just telling you how wonderful you are, which you are, I wanted to kind of reinforce, hopefully, a lesson that our godly mothers are sharing with their children from their youth. Not youths, but from their youth. <laughs> I just seen that movie on TV a couple nights ago. But if you think about it, our godly mothers... Mothers who are Christian women who have been raised up in the Lord, raised up in his moral principles, who are now passing this information on. No, they're not perfect. Your mothers, your fathers are not perfect, but they strive to live a godly life. They strive to, to give you the best uh, uh, opportunities at the best start to, 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 to lead your life down a path of righteousness and not down a path of worldliness. So I pray that you really listen and, and, and cherish the counsel that your mothers are going to give you. 
This wasn't a, a gospel sermon, but we're all going to offer an invitation, as we often do. If you're here today, maybe you've been studying your Bible at home, maybe somebody's been mentoring you, and you wish to be baptized for the remission of your sins, you can do that as we stand and sing the song of invitation.